Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another, Jesus said to another person, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Now we're going to focus primarily on these next two verses. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, that but there is a negative conjunction contrasting it saying, Jesus didn't agree with the man. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, longing for his old life, is what that's talking about. That man is not fit for the kingdom of God. Father, help us to be men who are fit for God's kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree with that, say amen. I want to talk to you about men who are fit for God's kingdom. When Jesus was on earth, he called men and women to be his disciples. He never called a woman to be an apostle or a pastor or an elder or a bishop or an overseer. Someone asked me, how did the Southern Baptist Convention go? It always goes fine. There's always hype in the media, especially social media. And I don't know that your best foot forward is to be on social media. I got off of it, and I'm telling you, my brain is saying hallelujah. You might have heard that there were some problems and all that. There were no problems whatsoever. We believe that only a man, and we said this in the Baptist Faith and Message, is called to be a pastor, elder, or a bishop, or an overseer, nor does a woman serve in that area. But Jesus did and still does call men and women to be his disciples. Now today is Father's Day. We'll look at a text where Jesus dealt with, I believe, three men. I'll just mention the first two, but I'll focus on the last one. Three different men. First encounter, Jesus initiates the call in verse 57. He said, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. The man initiated the call, I'm sorry. And Jesus responded, hesitantly, if if outright not negatively, Jesus could see his heart. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now what did Jesus mean by hedging with this man? Why was he avoiding to commit to this person? I believe Jesus saw that the man was curious, but not sincere. Jesus didn't think the man could hold out as a Christian. Jesus was making sure 
that this man knew what he was getting into. I believe Jesus was saying to him, it's going to be very difficult if you follow me. I am an itinerant, homeless preacher. I have no place, I have no property that I own. Rather, I am a sojourner, a temporary resident on earth. I am a pious pilgrim passing through this wicked world. I don't love this evil world system. I don't love the things of this evil world system. I've chosen not to own anything except the clothes on my back. When Jesus died, the only thing he owed were the clothes on his back. He said, I am not going to get tied up in this world. I own the sandals on my feet and the clothes on my back. If you follow me, you have to hold everything that you so-called own with open hands. You have to abandon yourself to me. You can't serve me and money. You can't follow me and yearn for the world. I focus on the eternal and the spiritual, not the physical and not the temporary that will pass away. Jesus looked at this man's heart and detected half-heartedness in his soul. He didn't understand the cost of following Jesus. And because of that insincerity, Jesus refused to commit to him. Now we see the second encounter. and Jesus did initiate this one. Look in verse 59. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. What's wrong with that? But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. I've read these verses for years. And I thought, Jesus, you're being so harsh. Well, was he? No. He was being Jesus. He saw that the man loved his family more than he loved God. Jesus sees your heart, sees mine as well. Again, few people would blame him for wanting to bury his own father, but Jesus saw something else, and he stressed it that time was of the essence. The kingdom of God had come. Something had happened that was a game changer. The king had come to the earth. The kingdom of God was coming now, and the kingdom of God is more important even than your family. That's what Jesus says. Let your spiritually dead family and friends bury your physically dead father. But you, follow me and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. It is not easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's easy to say a sinner's prayer, but it is not easy to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. When you truly repent of your sins and you truly believe and trust in the Lord, and you truly receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you give up every desire you have. You give up everything you own. You give up every relationship. You say, you are more important to me than anyone or anything on this earth, even my life, even my life. It's not easy 
to be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. Now finally, we get to the last one, and this is where we want to focus. Look at verse 61. Another one also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one. After putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about being fit for the kingdom of God. He gives us three things that mark a man who is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to ask all you men that just stood up a moment ago, are you fit for the kingdom of God? Father, in the name of Jesus, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. Amen. Three things. Men who are fit for God's kingdom, number one, serve Jesus without ambivalence. You're not wishy-washy. You don't say one thing and do another. You're not a hypocrite. You're not ambivalent about it. You're not undecided. You're not struggling with uncertainty. You follow the Lord all in. Look at verse 61. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first... Catch it? I'll follow you, Lord, but first, he's saying, I've got an agenda that I've got to fulfill. It's more important than you. First, commit, permit me to say goodbye to those at home, but first, he was enamored with Jesus' teaching style and content. Yet he had doubts, he was ambivalent, he was undecisive. Jesus' words were amazing, they were appealing. Oh, but they were so different, unprecedented, in fact. No one had ever spoken like Jesus. So, rather than submitting completely to Christ, he hedged, he held back, he hesitated I'll follow you, Lord, but first, but first, I've got to go home. I'm going to say goodbye. Now, we don't know how long he intended. I think he was intended to go back home and stay for a while and just say, you know, I'll, I'll follow that Nazarene preacher, but not today. There are a lot of people at home today. You know why? It rained. Oh, we can't go to church. It rained. Now, we can go shopping. We can go see our family members. We can go to work. Oh, I don't want to go to church. You know, I would think that if anybody would go to church, it'd be a Baptist. We'd dunk them, amen. We'd get all in the water, amen. What does a little rain matter? But I'll guarantee you, Hundreds of people didn't come to this church today because it rained. 
We're looking for an excuse not to be all in with Jesus. There are people all over this world that would give anything to be in a church where they could hear the gospel, open a Bible that they owned, and hear the word of God. And they can't because they're in a communist nation that won't allow it. And we've got all the freedom we want, but we stay in bed. I'll follow you, Lord, but first, I got to say goodbye to my family. What's wrong with that? Jesus wanted this man to love him more than he loved his family. Jesus refused to come in second to anybody, even this man's family. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to serve me without ambivalence. Jesus <coughs> wasn't trying to get large crowds to follow him. In fact, we read in Luke 14, 25, and 26, and then in verse 33, a large crowd was following Jesus. And you know what he tried to do? He tried to thin it out. Listen to this. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? By comparison, you have to hate everybody else. Your love for me, don't, don't tell me, Jesus said, that I'm number one. I don't want to be one among many. No, I want to be in a category by myself. Don't put me as number one because that means I'm on your list. I don't want to be your list. I want to be your Lord. I am top. Everybody else comes way below me, so much so that I'm not just number one followed by number two. The person that follows me is not even close. Jesus has to be in a category by himself. By comparison, if you're my disciple, you love me so much that it looks like in comparison, you hate everybody else. I'm talking about your dad. I'm talking about your mom. I'm talking about your wife. I'm talking about your children. He's talking to men. I'm talking about your brothers, your sisters, even your own life. You can't love your own life and follow me. I want to say this to you. If your motto is family first, you're not walking with God. It's not family first. It's Jesus first. Jesus first. If you've got that as a motto on your home, go home and tear it down. Burn that. That's not of God. Family first, never. Never. Family worship is idolatry. It's an abomination to God. And there's a lot of family worship in Baptist churches. I know it's Father Day, Father's Day. I love my father. I look forward to seeing him in heaven. But I love my heavenly father more than I love my earthly father. And you and I must love the Lord 
more than we love our families. Husband, you must love Jesus more than you love your wife. Fathers, you must love Jesus more than you love your children. You must make decisions not based upon what your spouse or what your children want, but what Jesus wants. You must love Jesus even more than your parents. You must love the Lord more than any human being. Some of you are like this man who tried to serve Jesus with ambivalence. Yes, Lord, I'll I'll follow you. But first, but first, Lord, you know I've got a hard job. You know I can't come to church every Sunday. But first, I'll follow you, Jesus, but you know that we've got a big house payment and I can't tithe. But first, Lord Jesus, you know that I like to go to church, but that preacher preaches a long time. And he even says things that I don't like. Sometimes he brings up scriptures that I just don't think he ought to bring up. Yeah, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, ambivalence. You can't love Christ and walk with the world. Jesus refuses to be part of your life. Either he is your life or he's nothing to you. Stop saying, I'll follow you, Lord, but first. Instead, say, I will follow you, Lord. Leave off everything else. Men who are fit for God's kingdom serve Jesus without ambivalence. Secondly, men who are fit for God's kingdom serve Jesus with abandon. They're all in. They've got one thing primarily on their mind, and that is loving Jesus Christ. Look at verse 62. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow, say that with me, putting his hand to the plow, Jesus describes a farmer who's plowing, not on a tractor, but behind, in that day, either mules or oxen. And that farmer had to put his hand to the plow. The plow was attached to the animal, the oxen or the mules. The plowman held the plow, handles to guide the plow. He was also harnessed to not only the plow, but also to the animals. And he was attached. And he was all in. When those mules set out, he was all in. They could pull him, the plow, and a whole lot more. And so once they started moving, he had to abandon himself to the strength of the mules the sharpness of the plow, and his ability to guide that plow in the right way. 
And you have to focus in order to plow. You can't plow and be looking around. You can't plow and be looking back. You can't plow and be looking up and around because you'll be zigzagging all over the place. When you plow, you got to keep your eyes straight ahead. And what? Now, you say, I've never seen anybody. I've never seen anybody plow. I come from plowers. I come from country folks up around Ripley. If you go to Asbury Methodist Church, named after the famous Methodist founder of the, one of the founders, he and Thomas Koch founded the American Methodist Church, and they were conservative when they began. We need to pray for our Methodist brothers and sisters. There's a righteous remnant left in there, and they're trying to make things right. But Francis Asbury has so many, so many churches are named Asbury Methodist Church. He was a great man of God. He rode hundreds of thousands of miles on horseback over 50 years preaching the gospel every day. He makes guys like me look like a bunch of wimps. And when you go to Asbury Methodist Church just outside of Ripley, you'll see over 200 Gaineses that are buried there. That's my family right there. They were farmers. And my dad and mom are in, buried in Dyersburg, but they were farmers. When my dad was a boy, he had to quit school because his dad got sick, and he plowed 12 hours a day with a mule. 15-year-old boy plowing behind a mule. And you say, I've never seen that. I thought you would say that, so I brought you a little video. Watch the video. That's work right there, folks. Watch that man. Watch his eyes. Watch his hands. Watch his feet. Does that work? He's attached to the mules. See that? He's attached to the plow. He's got both. Hey, what's he not doing? He's not looking where? Back. He's not looking back. No. He's looking straight ahead. And you take look at me. That's the way you're supposed to live the Christian life. All in. All in. Not just on Sunday. Monday morning, you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. Don't look back at your mistakes. God's forgiven them. Don't look back at your successes because you might Make a mess out of things right here if you're not looking ahead. Don't look back at the devil when he's trying to say, you're no good. You're going to fail. Don't listen to him. Don't look at him. Don't look back. <coughs> Don't look around. If you're going to plow for the Lord Jesus, put your hand to the gospel plow and don't look back. Don't look back. Work for Jesus. Don't hold anything back. Do your very best. If you sing for the Lord, sing your very best. If you teach for the Lord, teach your very best. If you preach for the Lord, preach your very best. If you share the gospel, do your very best. If you pray, do your very best. 
Go to bed on time so you can get up on time, so you can spend real time with God. If you read the Bible, be all in. Turn the TV off. Get away by yourself. Get in the Word. Let God speak to you. Put your hand to the gospel plow. Leave your former life behind. Put your hands on the plow. Don't hold anything else. Put your hand on that plow and be like that man. And I want to say this to you. Don't you dare take your hand off the plow because when you do, you're going to plow a crooked row. Some of you are plowing a crooked row because you don't have your hand on the plow. You're not focusing on the Word of God. And that makes you think it's okay to hate somebody because of the color of their skin. That's why you think you can cheat your employees by not paying them an honest wage. That's why you think that you can create division in a church because you don't like something that happened. That's why you can drink and get drunk on alcohol and not really care. That's why you can lay down your Bible and not read it because your hands are not on the plow. You're looking back. You're looking around. You're taking your hand off the plow. You're not all in. You know why it's quiet in here? Hey, it was quiet the day Jesus said these words. Men, we need you to get all in. We need you to get all in. I mean all in. I mean totally abandoned to God. Absolute abandon. He is more important to you than finances. You're going to get your finances in order because you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to get in a discipleship group because you don't know everything there is to know. And yes, somebody else can teach you something about the Lord. You're going to bring your family to church even if it's raining. Even if you look and you see, all, oh, oh, you've got this map. Oh, with, oh, there are red clouds today. Well, bless your heart. Get an umbrella and go to church. And if you're watching online and you did that, put on some clothes. We got another service at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Amen. Serve Jesus with abandonment. Be all in. Either get all in or get all out. That's what the Lord was saying. Men who are fit for the kingdom, serve Jesus without ambivalence, serve Jesus with abandonment, and finally, men who are fit for the kingdom of God, serve Jesus with full allegiance. Look at verse 62. The last part. But Jesus said to him, read this with me good and slow. Read it with me. No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Read it again, and you'll see what it means. No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You know what that means? It means that no one 
after putting his hand to the plow of God and looking back, you're not, if you do that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. It shows that you're not loyal. When you look back, what he was saying to this man is, he said, you know what? I believe that if you were to follow me, one day you would look back and you would regret it and you would wish that you were back where you are now. That's what Jesus was saying to this man. Do you ever miss your sinful life? Some people do. I hear people talking about the good old days. I love what my mom said about the good old days. She said, I don't know what they're talking about. She said, I, I lived in those good old days that weren't that good. We didn't have, my mother didn't have running water when she grew up. For a while, didn't have electricity. They wanted something to eat. They raised it either in the garden or they had to kill a hog. I don't want to get too graphic for you, but had to milk cows. She said, I like today a whole lot better. I just go to my refrigerator, <laughs> open it up. There's all the milk I want, all the cheese I want, all the bread I want. The good old days. I got news for you. The greatest days of your life are the days since you have followed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Give him praise. Amen. Our allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Kingdom of God. I'm an American. I thank God for America, but America is second to me in my allegiance. My first allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if America turns her back on Jesus, I'm going with Jesus, not America. Not America. All of us are in two kingdoms, an earthly kingdom and a heavenly one. You need to seek first the kingdom of God. You need to share the gospel with lost people. You need to, when you win them to Christ, you need to disciple them, teach them how to read the Bible. Don't just give them a phone number about a church. You need to teach them how to read the Bible. You teach them how to pray. Teach them how to share their faith. Teach them to fellowship with other Christians. Teach them to be part of a local church. Jesus told us that we need to advance his kingdom. One of the ways you do that is through prayer. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he talked about the kingdom of God. He says, pray then in this way, Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. Our Father... <clears throat> Who is in heaven? Read it with me. Hallowed be your name. Now listen now. Read it now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom. Your kingdom. Not the Republican kingdom. Not the Democrat kingdom. Not the American kingdom. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our primary loyalty is to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom. Say it with me. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. Christ's motto, every Christian's motto must be Christ is the king and his kingdom is above all. Now listen, the kingdom of God is above your ethnic group. It's above the people that have similar color of skin. Way beyond that, you've got to love the kingdom of God and the people in the kingdom of God. I've got much more in common with someone who has dark colored skin that is saved than I do with someone who has light colored skin who is not saved. One is my brother, the one that's saved. One is not the one that's not saved. I've got a lot more in common with that person than I do with anyone else. Any secular group, the kingdom of God is more important than any club you're in, any sorority, any fraternity, athletic team, social organization, community service group, any of that stuff, all that's way below the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His church is your primary allegiance, second only to Him. Church of Jesus Christ needs men who are fit for the kingdom, men who will serve Jesus without ambivalence, Men who will serve Jesus with abandonment. Men who will serve Jesus with allegiance. I'm convinced that if we can get the men right, we can get everything right. If we can get the men right with God, their marriage will be right with God. If the marriage is right with God, the family will be right with God. If the family is right with God, the church will be right with God. If the church is right with God, the city will be right with God. If the cities are right with God, the states will be right with God. If the states are right with God, the nation will be right with God. And if the nations are right with God, the world is right with God. And it all starts, it all starts with the authority in the home the men, the men. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Rise up, O men of God. His kingdom tarries long as faithful workmen watch and pray and light the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait, your strength unequal to the task, but Christ in you is great. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod as brothers of the Son of Man. Rise up, O men of God. 
Jesus said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, looking for a better deal, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Put your hand to the plow, the gospel plow, and be like that man on that video. Don't look back. God, give us men who will plow a straight row and not look around and not look back for the world, for their former life, for the devil, for sin, or whatever it might be. Oh, God, God in heaven, give us men who are fit for the kingdom of God. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord again for our men.